This is the Scott Thompson Show podcast. Let's bring in Michael Tobe. Uh, he, of course, former speechwriter for uh, Stephen Harper and columnist. And originally we were going to chat with him about Barack's speech last night. But I have a feeling this might, uh, this might uh, bump to the, the head of the line. Good afternoon, Michael. How are you today? I'm doing well, Scott. How are you doing? Thank you very much. I'm fine. Thank you for taking the time to join us, as, uh, as always. Uh, no obviously, you've watched the press conference. What are your thoughts? <laughs> you know, I've been doing this for over 20 years, long before I ever worked for Stephen Harper as a speechwriter. I've been in journalism a long time. I have never seen a press conference quite like that. <laughs> Let's put it that way. It was the most extraordinary thing I've ever seen. And if that ever actually happens in the White House or a duplicate of that or copycat of that, it could be an astonishing four years because basically you see a feisty Donald Trump. You saw a lawyer come on to explain how his business dealings are worked. You see him fighting directly with the media as he's actually standing there. Uh, you know, it's going to be very different than the Obama presidency, that's for sure. Uh, you know, I'm listening to this as uh, as I'm coming in, and I'm... Uh... I, 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 I'm listening. All of a sudden, he brought in the lawyer, and then the lawyer starts on this uh, huge diatribe about the holdings, which was all great information. I mean, it's yep. all information everybody wanted to know. Absolutely. But did you not think it was odd that he passed the ball to that person as opposed to just handling it in, in the best way he could? Yeah, I mean, it would have been better if he had actually handled it, but <clears throat> at least in this one case, and I come from a family of lawyers, my, grandf- my late grandfather was, my dad was, and I'm not, although I considered it, but that's another issue. Um, I think it's actually good that you had someone who was a professional explain it piece by piece to people, mm-hmm. because look at the complexity that is involved in the Trump organization. I mean, the man has, we always knew he had many, many holdings, but clearly there's even more, I think, than a lot of us assumed. And if that paperwork that was sitting on the table next to Donald Trump or next to the podium, if that wasn't a prop or if that wasn't real, if that's actually real, that's an astonishing amount of paper to have to sign to basically move your business affairs over so that there is no direct conflict of interest based on the fact of when you actually enter the White House and become President of the United States. So in that one case, it would have been better had Trump explained it, but I think you needed a lawyer to really go through all the details. Good point. Um, uh, Did he answer questions? In some ways he did. He he answered questions the way Donald Trump likes to answer questions. Certainly there was some discussion of the question that was asked. There was some detail that was provided. We at least found out a little bit more of his thoughts on, say, Russia, on various hacking issues. We certainly heard a lot about the whole faux controversy from yesterday, and I think... It's interesting that he also praised quite a number of media organizations, including the New York Times, for, in, in his view, and I'm not paraphrasing, obviously, not taking the bait and running with it. It was basically left up to uh, a website, BuzzFeed and CNN, to do it. But I think what was also really astonishing is his basically his tete-a-tete with the CNN reporter who was in the room who was basically just trying to shout out this is an unfair allegation to make against us you know we need to have the right to respond and basically Donald Trump calling CNN I'm you know basically saying I'm not gonna let you speak your fake news and walking right away from them that is just an astonishing moment that sure other presidents may have wanted to do with media reporters, there's no doubt of that, be it a Republican, be it a Democrat, but you just don't see in just common discourse or just the basic civility of life 
it's incredible to believe that this man is going to become the president in a few days. So in response to what you just said, out of line or about time? You know, it's interesting. I, I, I guess I'm still very old school in the way I handle things. Obviously, I'm a small C conservative, which means that I would obviously favor the Republicans in the United States. So naturally, I'm happy to see that Barack Obama, the current president of the United States, is leaving because I never agreed with his agenda or his ideas. At the same time, I still believe that even if you are frustrated with somebody or something, let's use a media organization in this case, I think there's still an amount of tact that people would expect from you as the leader of the free world, which the President of the United States is often regarded as, to handle things as best you can. It doesn't mean that you can't get irritated in a news conference. We've seen it through people who are very cool, calm, and collected, from Bill Clinton to Ronald Reagan. It has happened. But there's usually a fine line between how far you take a criticism and how frustrated you get with a particular question that's being asked you. You just don't see a president basically pointing to a reporter from, in this case, CNN, declaring that they're fake news, which obviously is sort of a, a new concept that we're discussing today, although there's always been yellow journalism, there's always been problems with shoddy journalism running around in our society, and then basically sweeping his hand away, moving to another reporter, and basically saying, you're shut out or you're blacked out from this conversation. That's an astonishing thing to see, and I guess you can sort of say that, yeah, maybe it is occasionally time to have this happen. Maybe this was the right moment. Maybe he took this so personally, that being Donald Trump, that he's just had enough, that it basically just was the, you know, it was the last straw for him, basically, with how he will deal with various news organizations, including CNN, when it comes to stuff like that. So certainly not the protocol I would expect or want from a president, but just as a person who was probably just so frustrated by a story that clearly he didn't believe, clearly he thought was false, and now appears to have been completely manufactured, you can sort of understand why he erupted in the way he did, even if it was wrong the way he actually did it with no tact. Uh, is this a preview? Will it be like this when he's in uh, the White House and holding a press conference? Is this what we'll see? Well, that's what I'm wondering, and that's why I sort of said if we see this in the White House, I mean, that's going to be absolutely astonishing. And that's a much smaller room than do, holding it in the Trump Tower, which is obviously a much, has a, obviously a much bigger room and can hold many people. Apparently there were several hundred people, according to uh, John Roberts of Fox News, just sitting in there. And that's huge for any sort of a press conference for a president of the United States. Um, is this something we're going to see on a regular basis? It wouldn't shock me if we see something similar to this. Maybe not as, maybe Mr. Trump won't be as angry necessarily. Maybe he won't necessarily start a, or start a fight with a media reporter from an organization that caused him some problems. But then again, maybe he will. This is one of the most unpredictable men who's ever run for politics, and certainly the most unpredictable men to have ever held the office of President of the United States. So I think anything is possible when it comes to Donald Trump. Do you think he will stop holding press conferences, just hold them every couple of months like he is now? Hmm. I don't know. Um, it's an interesting question. I think because the first hundred days, 
I could see regular press conferences because, A, it's very important from a historical precedent and how a president operates. And secondly, if he has all these great things that he's talking about, new business deals, new companies opening up, and new issues that he wants to discuss pretty early on, with even within the first couple of weeks, including new appointments to the Supreme Court and so forth, I think you will see regular press conferences certainly for the first few months. However, if the tone and the battles between him and the media start to intensify as time goes along, you may be right. It may then go back to sort of a once-every-couple-of-month thing or whenever there's something important, say an important business development or some sort of a military battle, and leave it at that. I guess we'll see as time goes along. You're listening to The Scott Thompson Show, weekdays from noon to 3 on AM 900 CHML. So let's continue our discussion with Michael Tobe. He is with us now. Hello, Michael. Before we uh, get into Barack Obama's final speech. Oh, because we got trumped for the other thing. That's right. That's... Absolutely. And you know how many times they're going to use this line now? Everything is, we've been trumped. We've been trumped. My God. Do you think there's any coincidence, the fact that this press conference w- happened uh, the day after Barack Obama's final speech? No, I, I, I don't know if it was a complete coincidence. I think they certainly knew that Mr. Obama was going to speak that night, but this was a conference which had been scheduled a month before and had been delayed for, well, whatever reason. I don't know if we'll ever exactly find out. Um, and I don't think you necessarily need to have a tit-for-tat here, because this speech was orig- or this press conference that Mr. Trump held was only originally supposed to be about his business dealings. Again, it's because of this whole full controversy that came out about a dossier involving Mr. Trump, which now seems to be a whole, it appears, a whole scam that came from an organization called 4chan, and God knows how it sort of got to the point that it did, and was captured by a website, BuzzFeed, and a news organization, CNN, which has obviously left everyone kind of angry and frustrated that this may have come out in the first place. Um, It just unfortunately... You know, I, I think we can sort of wrap in a little bow and say that, no, I don't think Donald Trump or his senior advisors assume that this was a way to overshadow President Obama's final speech because the two things were so separate. But it is inevitably they got intertwined, even though obviously Obama and the Obama White House had nothing to do with it. Uh, Trump was saying that uh, it was the DNC's fault for having such lax security and getting hit. Is that fair? And d- didn't the Republicans, weren't they nosing around there as well? Sure, they absolutely were. Like he was uh, saying that the Republicans weren't hacked. Were they hacked? I thought they were. I thought that they, they had just found more interesting stuff in the Hillary camp. Yeah, as I understand it, and this is just based on news reports you and I and others have read, I was under the impression that both the DNC and the RNC were both hacked. Mm-hmm. But you're right, that they just found better stuff in one rather than the other, which I guess as a conservative, I, I can take pride in to say that the RNC didn't air their dirty laundry quite the same way as the DNC did. But you're right. I, I think that certainly had an effect one way or the other. And, well, look, unfortunately, when it comes down to news items like this, people like the juicier topics. So whatever involved, was involved with the DNC is, uh, was obviously more interesting, and that was obviously to Hillary Clinton's detriment and her party's detriment. Where are we now? What are we to take from this moving forward? 
I'm sorry, to take what moving forward? From this press conference, uh, whether you're in your business, in my business, whether you're just an American citizen, after watching what we saw, what do you take away from this? Well, I mean, obviously, I think this just adds to the mythology about Donald Trump, which is growing as we speak, that he is, as I said off the, the first segment, he's just the most unpredictable man to have run in politics in many years, and certainly the most unpredictable person to have ever become president of the United States. For those reasons, I think we can assume that even if press conferences in the White House, no matter how often he does or does not hold them, I, we can assume that they won't necessarily be as volatile as this. There obviously will be occasions where Donald Trump will be furious about something. It could be the misrepresentation of his policy in the press. It could be an attack on his family. It could be an attack on, say, the vice president or one of his cabinet ministers. And maybe that will raise his ire. Maybe that will make him angry enough to do something like this. Even though there obviously was some justification between Donald Trump getting furious at the CNN reporter, calling them fake news, and sweeping his hand away from them during the press conference, I think most people sitting there would get it, because if you were under a personal attack, as he was last night, and he just saying, this is completely wrong, this is nuts, I never did this at all, and now it appears as if that is the case, you can understand the level of frustration the problem is there is a certain amount of decorum that we expect from world leaders, including the man who will become president of the United States in a few days, and that's not the way to necessarily act. You're allowed to be frustrated with people. Everybody is. But you're supposed to act in a, a sort of a dignified, tactful manner. I think what we can take away from this press conference is that Donald Trump will not operate like other presidents will when he's asked questions by the media. All right, let's move on to uh, Barack Obama. Uh, Your thoughts on his speech last night? Yeah, we talked about Obama's speech or the impending speech last night, and he obviously gave it. And um, I thought overall that Mr. Obama, although I certainly do not agree with his policies, his political ideology, or many of the things he implemented over eight years, there's no question that Mr. Obama is an excellent orator. He's always been a great orator, much like a Bill Clinton or a Ronald Reagan or others. He just has that incredible talent to captivate an audience and sort of bring them in when he's discussing anything. We could be about his own personal achievements to various battles that he's had to speeches that he's held in in the past as well with that in mind he used his final speech to sort of put a stamp on in his view of his own quote-unquote political legacy the things that he believes that he's achieved in office over the past eight years to improve society to better society to ensure that people are able to move forward and look at things in a more positive light He also recognized, though, during the time that things haven't necessarily moved as forward as he would have liked. For African Americans, he said it only has gone so far. He was frustrated by the amount of fake news that is sort of appearing in our society. And he recognizes, quite correctly, that the United States still has much more to go. And he's absolutely right. But in the same sense, I also like the fact that he sort of followed an old-school mentality and really kept his tongue, or bit his tongue, when it came to President-elect Donald Trump. Mm. You know, he did have a little jab at him with the fake news thing, and that's fine. But when there was some booing in the audience that appeared, basically the first time he actually mentioned to him, President Obama stopped the booing and basically said, and I'm, I'm not paraphrasing, I'm paraphrasing for the most part, that we have to allow for a safe, smooth transition 
for President-elect Donald Trump when he comes to the White House the same way that George W. Bush gave to me eight years ago. So mm-hmm. what he's trying to do is establish the fact that whether I like this man or I hate this man is not the issue, that there is an amount of decorum and there is an amount of uh, means to having a successful transition from one presidency to the other, and he actually believes in that and supports that. For anyone who, whether you like Barack Obama or not, for anyone who believes that politics has kind of lost that flavor as of late, it was nice to at least hear it one more time. And my real hope is that Donald Trump, whether he lasts one term in office or two terms in office, takes his cue from there and the person who replaces him that he does the same thing surprised we didn't hear something from trump on obama's speech whether even social media seemed relatively quiet last night regarding him well again and it's interesting i think that actually it's a good thing that donald trump really didn't get involved i mean yes he obviously called obamacare a disaster and pound for pound i completely agree with him but he left the president alone which i think was a good idea because maybe, just maybe, somewhere deep down in his belly, he realizes that even if he dislikes Barack Obama a lot, and we don't know how much they do like or dislike each other, they've had many, many issues in the past, especially over the birther movement, so I'm sure there's not a lot of pleasantries there, but they've been able to sort survive and coexist to the point that I think that's why Barack Obama basically left Donald Trump alone in his speech, and Donald Trump in his press conference basically left Barack Obama alone because there's really only nine days to go. Let's try to make this as smooth as possible. We don't have to keep fighting with one another. The election is over. The transition to power is starting to occur. This is a good time, not a bad time. And maybe in his own way, he feels that this is sort of a healing process to just leave Barack Obama alone for a few days, then I become president, and then I can do whatever I want. Uh, Barack's message to Democrats, uh, even uh, asking for empathy, uh, including all Americans, and and made reference to the Democrats perhaps neglecting uh, middle-class America, he even referred to it as white America, where uh, who had lost jobs and, and everything that they had worked for. What do you think the message was there? Yeah, you know, it's interesting. A lot of people were sort of surprised that Barack Obama would be somewhat critical of his own party based, as you say, based on the policies that they have, or even just their matter of decorum in handling things such as bipartisan legislation, uh, fights and arguments in Congress. Because the funny thing is, although obviously Barack Obama primarily butted heads with the Republican Party, he also butted heads occasionally with his own party. And I think he's right in saying that, you know, that the political process in the United States, which has become very rigid and very partisan over, let's say, the last 10 years or so, and even longer, um, is just unfortunately reaching a point now where relations are becoming more and more icy and tensions are becoming more and more extreme that it's going to be very hard for Washington as a whole, that being the Congress, to actually get things through and work properly with not only his administration, but the incoming administration. And he's worried about that. And I don't blame him at all, Scott, for being worried about it, because it is a problem. You know, the the days of Tip O'Neill and Ronald Reagan you know, having a scotch in the White House or a whiskey in the White House, whatever they actually drank, hours after fighting on the, on the floor over bits, pieces of legislation and major pieces of legislation, those days are over. But there's no reason why Democrats and Republicans, even if they have major differences with one another, can't sit down, 
can't work comfortably and without all the fighting and screaming and yelling and bickering try to work in their best interest to make sure that the united states works in an efficient fashion i think it's possible to do it but certainly what barack obama has said and i don't disagree with him it's getting much harder to do that and the only way for it to happen you need two people to dance if the republicans are going to do it that's fine but his own party, the Democrats, need to participate as well. Michael Tobe has been with us, columnist and former speechwriter. Michael, thanks for the time and insight. Much appreciated. Oh, my pleasure, Scott. Have a good day. You too. You're listening to The Scott Thompson Show, weekdays from noon to 3 on AM 900 CHML. All right, let's check in with Reggie Cicchini, journalist with Global News based in Washington, and uh, get his take on uh, what's been happening in the last little while. Hey, Reggie, are you there? I am. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Good to uh, chat with you. Thanks for taking the time. We greatly appreciate it. What, uh, first of all, let's start with first things first. What is your take on the press conference we all witnessed? Uh, the one that just happened a couple of minutes ago was exactly what we had thought that it would be. I mean, we haven't heard from Donald Trump realistically in a press conference way in almost six months or just over six months. And it was it was a little all over the place. It was a little scattered. He was a little bombastic in it. He was a little, you know, questioning things. It's everything that we've come to expect from Donald Trump from the beginning to now. How do you think this is going to play in Washington? Well, I mean, there are a lot of things that he said that, that, that have some people scratching their heads that are likely going to have Democrats in the White House and, and, uh, and throughout Washington kind of scratching their heads, and maybe some Republicans, too. I think that we need to kind of let this go for the next week, let him kind of get himself into the position that he's going to become president, and then wait to start making our assumptions on how this actually went. What stood out for you uh, comparing this to other press conferences? Well, I mean, his last press conference that he had was back in July of last year, and it was the press conference where he had kind of egged on the Russians to go about and do some hacking. And then today, when he was kind of speaking about the Russian hacking, he had said, well, maybe I believe that Russia did it, but, I mean, let's also remember that there could be other countries out there that are doing hacking as well. So, I mean, he he at least kind of remembered his last press conference when he spoke today. Did he answer more? uh, Did he answer questions or just create more questions? Uh, I think it depends on what you want to talk about. I mean, he answered some questions, particularly with what uh, was dropped by BuzzFeed last night, and he he kind of you know made his did his best effort on 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 uh, denouncing it and saying that nothing that BuzzFeed put out there was true. I think there are still some questions that may have to do with his conflicts of interest, with his business dealings, and with his hotels down here, and things that he plans to do with his money. Uh, Outside of that, again, he said a lot of things. People are still trying to digest it. He dropped a couple of things that that are almost in a a, a little disgraceful kind of way when he kind of invoked Nazi Germany. There are things that are creating questions that we're never going to get an answer to, at least in the near future. More of the same after January 20th, or do you think we won't see another press conference probably for another three or four months? I don't think we're going to see a press conference again until uh, he has actually officially become president when he's been sworn in. And then I think it might take, you know, it might be that right as we get into the middle of his first 100 days or towards the end, we may actually hear from him again. He could surprise us, though. I mean, Donald Trump is the king of pulling something out of a hat and making us go, well, let's all pay attention to what he has to say. If he wants to speak, everyone will be there to listen. Uh, Certainly with the latest stories coming out of BuzzFeed, which, you know, most uh, news organizations uh, reported, well, pretty much everyone I heard reported that these were allegations and none of this could be proven at at, uh, 
at any time, or certainly at this time. CNN obviously jumped on it. He jumped on a CNN reporter uh, during the press conference uh, earlier on today. Your thoughts on that? Uh, you know, and uh, we've been talking to various commentators about it. Do you think that this was out of line or about time? Uh, well, it, it it depends on on how you look at it. I mean, the information that was dropped last night it's unsubstantiated, and even BuzzFeed itself is saying, "Look, this is this is all stuff that hasn't been verified. We're just giving it to you as we know that the public will want to see it." Uh, it's it, it, this is the kind of stuff that we've basically come to expect when it comes to this kind of enterprise reporting from organizations like BuzzFeed, like the former Gawker. They're going to put something out there. We might not know what it is, and they want everybody to basically form their opinion before anything else has actually come from it. CNN, uh, rather Donald Trump, he's he's quick to point out that any kind of bad news against him, he calls it fake news. He calls it phony news. He says that people are going out of their way to go after him. He was very quick to pounce on CNN, just like he used to be quick to pounce on NBC. Anytime somebody says something bad. It's a negative to him, and he doesn't know how to deal with it. Uh, where did BuzzFeed get this information? Do we know? Do we know how the story originated? Well, from, from everything that we can understand right now, BuzzFeed, this 35-page this docile that they had, was basically, according to BuzzFeed, the information that led to the two-page document that Donald Trump was briefed on and that the president was briefed on, along with some higher-ranking officials in, uh, in, in the Capitol. Again, we don't have information as to where the information came from outside of a couple of operatives that work for the U.S. government. But again, without having any verification or, or without substantiating anything, it's nothing but words. But it's words that now the FBI are actually looking into to see if things are real. Does this change the discussion on fake news the way he sort of lambasted that reporter today? Well, it depends. I mean, anybody who is, you know, who, who reads news on a daily basis or who, who picks up their, their iPhone or their iPad and scrolls through the news, it's up to them to judge whether or not they want to believe what's being in front of you. I mean, if, if you're looking at it from a reputable source, if you're looking at it from one of the big news networks, from a big newspaper, from a big, uh, you know, media conglomerate, it's, it's usually easy to tell where the real news is. It's when you have something like BuzzFeed or, or when Gawker used to be around, it's where you have to start kind of taking everything with a grain up to like a tablespoon full of salt to make sure that what you're seeing is actually right. If you're reading things that, that you've never heard before that might seem to be a little different, you're better off to go and source it out a couple of different ways. I mean, when I saw this stuff from BuzzFeed last night, the first thing I did was try to search around for everything for it. And I couldn't find anything to substantiate it. So, I mean, fake news has always been around. It's going to continue to be around, but it's up to everyone else to kind of figure it out. Was his criticism of CNN fair, or do you think that uh, they were just saying, hey, it's out there, and you can decide? Is there more responsibility required from CNN, in your opinion? Well, I mean, CNN had come out with this last night before the, the, all the BuzzFeed documents had dropped. I mean, CNN kind of went out and said that there is information that the Russians may have that, are, that is compromising against Donald Trump. They didn't divulge any of it. They didn't, they didn't discuss what it was. They just said that this is a possibility. So, I mean, CNN, we can give them the credit for not actually dipping into information and giving you something that wasn't substantiated. BuzzFeed, on the other hand, they took it all the way and said, well, if CNN's going to mention it, we might as well throw it all out there. Donald Trump has gone after CNN from day one, calling them, you know, the Clinton News Network. So, I mean, it's, it, it doesn't shock me to see that he's uh, railing against this station. Reggie Cicchini's been with us, journalist with Global News based in Washington. Reggie, as always, thanks for the time. Much appreciated. Have fun down there. It's uh, looks Anytime, like it's going to be an interesting four years. You're listening to The Scott Thompson Show, weekdays from noon to 3 on AM 900 CHML. You know what I found was interesting with the press conference is that um, Donald Trump alluded to a, and said a, a couple of times that, um, you know, he sort of uh, 
he, he sort of chastised the Democrats for not protecting um, their servers better uh, and allowing them to be hacked. But I, I was under the understanding that the FBI has confirmed that the Republicans were hacked into as well, um, except that it was uh, state political campaigns and old email domains. Um, and, and the reports that I had heard earlier were that there was more interesting or more things of value for them in Hillary's email or sorry, in, in Hillary's uh, or, or the Democrats' records than there was in his. Now, apparently, uh, Donald Trump's personal scenario, nothing breached there, but there definitely was hacking into uh, the Republican servers. And he clearly stated that that wasn't the case during uh, the press conference that uh, we covered a little earlier on. All right, let's move on and uh, get Barry Kay's take on all of this, political science professor at Wilfrid Laurier University, and he is with us now. Hello, Barry. How are you today? Oh, oh fine. Full of news. It's quite the circus. <laughs> what were your thoughts on what you saw in the press conference? Oh, there's so much. Um, so far ranging. Uh, I, again, uh, I, I could sort of go on for a half an hour just on that. Uh, Trump is a master of deflection, and because there hadn't been a previous news conference for almost six months, the questions were far-ranging, and it was much easier when there were so many questions that could be asked. A lot of things never got even got raised, but that, in fact, he could just move from one to another and without ever... You know, some questions did get addressed in some, to some degree. Um, I'll, I'll tell you, I've been watching, and I sort of still have it on in the screen in the background now, uh, the, uh, the uh, cable news uh, coverage of the event and just sort of listening to the commentary. And I, I think that the, uh, the main comment I would make based on the comments I'm hearing from others is this just the the curtain raiser that uh, we're going to this was uh, the, the the chaos of government is just going to be extended uh, that indeed there are likely to, already we see in this conference news conference that indeed Trump is clearly at war with the um, with the intelligence uh, uh, sector and he's at war with the media particularly focusing on BuzzFeed which is a small player but um, CNN as well uh, but this is the end of it he's going to be at war with everybody uh, that they're inevitably based on just the questionable accommodations he's making with regard to conflict of interest. There are going to be lawsuits. He is going to be in the courts on many of these questions. Uh, he is going to be fighting with Congress on many of these questions. Um, he, remembering that even though he was elected as a Republican president and the Republicans are there to defend him, he is not really a Republican. As recently as 2008, he was in fact a registered Democrat and contributing money to, um, to Hillary Clinton. Um, and the notion that in fact he is their president, and initially I don't think they're, I think they're going to be reluctant to get off uh, offside off with him too quickly. But if his public opinion ratings continue to decline, and they have been declining, uh, he won 40, um, what, 46 percent as opposed to Hillary's 48 percent in the election. The most recent poll by Quinnipiac that just came in the last uh, couple of days has him down at 37. Uh, his support within the Republican caucus, given that he's not really a Republican and he holds many positions the Republicans aren't happy with, um, at some point, uh, he's not going to have a lot of people around him to defend him. Now, I don't want to get too far ahead of all of this, but uh, the, the easy comment about the, uh, about the press conference and the discussion about the press conference, it, it's great theater, and it's, it's kind of fun to watch. And frankly, as a political science professor teaching American government, it's going to be fun to teach. The students are really going to get involved with this. 
but it's going to make um, Washington even more chaotic and dysfunctional than it's been. And there's going to be a lot of distractions because inevitably there is going to be litigation on a whole series of issues, certainly including the conflict of interest stuff. Uh, the commentators, I was hearing a guy named Norm Eisen, who was a former ethics advisor to previous administration, just suggesting that his, his inability to disengage himself from his business inevitably is going to invite all sorts of legal actions from all sorts of people, including competitors. Um, I, again, I could, I could say more, but uh, in terms of where this is going, very little discussion about some of the foreign policy issues beyond Russia. Um, he did acknowledge grudgingly that, in fact, he now accepts that Russia probably were the hackers, but he thinks it's terrific that, uh, that uh, Putin thinks, thinks well of him, that that's, that's a great asset. He was quoting uh, basically tributes from, from Putin. I mean, to say it's unprecedented, everything about this, this, this campaign and this presidency is unprecedented. But boy, uh, th- this is just sort of crazyville, and it's going to be like this, I suspect, for as long as Trump's in the White House. In regard to the hacking, uh, obviously he did admit that uh, Russia was involved, but then he sort of started slagging the Democrats for having such insecure uh, uh, security around their, uh, around their uh, infrastructure. But wasn't the weren't the Republicans hacked as well? Sure, although, no, he well in pack, although he was in although he was in personally. He wants to answer it. He deflects most of the time. Uh, so it's not the Russians' fault for hacking. It's the uh, the Democrats' fault for being hacked. Um, in fact, yes, there's evidence that the Republicans were hacked as well. Now there was a, sort of another story that was big news last night and may continue to be, which was this uh, this story the about Buzzfeed the story. The, the Russians may have evidence on him and maybe in fact be blackmailing him. We still don't have a good understanding a plausible understanding as to why he is so receptive and so positive toward Putin and the Russians. Um, and indeed, the, no, and the fact that he is not transparent, that he does not uh, release information about business holdings elsewhere, the, the taxes and so forth, um, and that indeed uh, we only have it, his word for it, that in fact he's even being audited, or the, and that that's the reason that he can't, um, he can't reveal his uh, business holdings. It's quite possible. His sons have suggested there are business holdings in Russia. He basically kind of danced his way ar- around that. Uh, in well, he came right out and said he had absolutely no ties to yes. Russia. Yes, and uh, they, we only have his word for it, don't we? Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's been uh, totally truthful in, in every other matter for the last, the last year and a half. Look, um, I think what we really saw was the curtain raiser now that Trump is not changing. He's doubled down, doubling down on anything, on everything, rather. Um, he has no reverse gear. He only goes forward. He only pushes. Yes, there's evidence that, in fact, the Russians were hacking the Republicans as well, but for various reasons, presumably including the fact that they wanted Trump to win, that, uh, that, um, that that's why those, that information was not released. Uh, what what comes out of this other, and it may be bogus, I, I don't know whether this story that was covered last night, um, uh, particularly by BuzzFeed, but by some other news sources to a lesser degree, I don't know whether there's any veracity uh, to that or not. But um, it's it's just going to be a shooting a shouting match between him and and again just just the 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 demeanor and the tenor of the uh, con- for a press conference got into that. Jim Acosta from the CNN was basically shouting at him. This just is not the way the presidency has been conducted in the past. But it looks like this is it's full speed ahead for Trump. Will we see more press conferences, or will that be it for another couple of months or six months even? Not clear. Um, I don't think you're going to see as many press conferences from him as you have from others. I think that there is really a potential vulnerability, and I sort of hinted at that a, a couple of minutes ago. At some point, as long as the Republicans control the House of Representatives and the Senate, and so long as they are prepared to use their resources and their political capital to defend him, he's okay. But they may very well be having investigations. I mean, again, they do not want to, to be tarred by, 
by his excesses down the road. And if his, popu- his popularity ratings are going to be very important in terms of whether or not the Republicans are defending him. If he's already down to 37%, now that's just one poll, there may be others that are going to show different numbers. At some point, the Republicans are going to lose faith in him as well. In the short run, I think they have policy agenda items. They want a Supreme conservative Supreme Court nomination. They want his support on the, um, on the uh, repealing Obamacare. And there's a few other things like that as well. I don't think you're going to see the Republicans jumping ship for a while, and they may not in the future. But if his public opinion ratings continue to decline, as indicated by that Quinnipiac, Quinnipiac poll I mentioned, uh, that indeed at some point the Republicans may start losing faith in him as well. They've only got a two-seat margin in the Senate. It won't take a lot of Republicans jumping ship. Um, that in, at that point, in fact, his, his presidency may very well be in serious jeopardy. For sure, though, the craziness and the circus-like atmosphere that we were seeing this morning, uh, that looks like it's, that, that's going to go on for as long as he's president. How, uh, how will this play, obviously not your typical presidential press conference, how do you think this is going to play to Americans? Well, you know, again, Donald Trump during the campaign suggested that he could shoot somebody on Fifth Avenue and his supporters would, uh, wouldn't lose faith with him. Um, it should be remembered, his supporters, even the people that voted for him, and they weren't all enthusiastic. That's a lot of them were people who were just put off by Hillary Clinton. That his his supporters actually represent fewer voters than Hillary Clinton got. Um, that those numbers are already shrinking. There certainly is a core of people who just think this is terrific. That he's a just just a, a basically a, a, a nest disturber. I won't fill out the word that they're happy to shake up things because they're unhappy with the way Washington runs. Mm-hmm. But his ability to actually get things done, because that was part of his promise as well, not just that he would shake up Washington, but he would actually accomplish things. If, if this circus-like atmosphere and the hostility he's inevitably going to uh, raise, with Rep- the Democrats are, are given that they're not going to be happy with him, but with many Republicans as well, is going to mean he's not going to get things through Congress. He is not going to be able to make the economic uh, uh, accomplishments that he, he's been talking about. Uh, what, uh, if, in fact, we see public opinion polls continue to decline, that's when the Republicans are going to get uh, jump off ship, and that's when uh, he will start being subject to congressional investigations as well as legal lawsuits coming from other other segments. Look, there's going to be litigation without question in terms of the way he's conducting himself, just based on the promises he just made today, with thinking that he had basically uh, gotten uh, gotten the monkey off his back about the conflict of interest. Once you've got the Republicans, and again, it can happen. It happened with Richard Dixon. Once Obama, uh, Trump becomes an embarrassment to Republicans, not just being facing opposition for Democrats, at that point he's going to be in trouble. Now, I, I don't want to say this is necessarily going to happen in the immediate future, but I would very much look at the future of public opinion ratings to see whether or not the Republicans are going to put up with this nonsense. Uh, markets are up. He was boasting today that, you know, he's making companies change their mind. He's bringing jobs back. Will we actually see that? Do you, when is the timeline for that? When will um, we, when so, will we yeah, know if this is all BS? or The, cl- there's... the claims he's made, uh, the, carrier, uh, the carrier factory in, um, in Indiana was one. I think there was a Ford factory yeah. that... But but a lot of what he's claiming are things that are already in the pipeline in the future. Look, the uh, the, the U.S. economy is, involves millions and millions of people. Saving 700 jobs here or 800 jobs there, he can brag about it and get a little bit of media attention. It, the determination of how much economic impact he's going to have will be faced by the reality, what the actual numbers are. People who have been laid off and are, do, are without jobs, whether they're going to get jobs. If there are enough like that, yes, it will help them. What he's been talking about up till now, I think, is pretty much chicken feed. And we're, when we're talking about the overall American economy, remember, we're talking about an economy which uh, in recent months uh, under, under Obama has had job increases of 150,000. 
he's talking about a few hundred here, a few hundred there. Um, that's, that's, that's small potatoes in the greater scheme of things economically. Your thought on Barack Obama's farewell speech last night? Oh, very impressive, but we knew he had it in him. We know he's a great speaker, and I think Obama, he's going to stay in Washington anyway for a while because his daughter is still in high school. Mm-hmm. Um, and that indeed, because there is not an obvious alternate Democratic leader at the moment, there are certainly prominent Democrats, but there's no focus on who that leader would be. I think in many ways Obama will play that role. I think he will be reluctant to go after Trump very vociferously in the short run. Um, Look, Trump's future doesn't rest with Obama or even with the Democrats. Trump's future depends upon whether or not the Republicans are prepared to put up with it um, and whether or not they feel he's an asset to the party or whether he's a detriment to the party. My betting is that in time he will become a detriment. I'm not sure how long it will take. If the economy goes bonkers, and again, the the Dow Jones is certainly a positive indicator with regard to one sector, but most Americans do not benefit directly from stocks. Most of the it's very much the elite that benefit from that, and that indeed the um, the benefits uh, for the Dow Jones are very much related to the fact that interest rates are down, and that people with serious money to invest are putting into the stocks because that's the most uh, profitable element. That doesn't necessarily affect a lot of people's jobs. There are other economic indicators that may may do well. I don't want to suggest, I certainly don't want to jinx, I'm not hoping that the American economy goes south. But I think what we are seeing in the style of the um, of the Trump presidency, certainly, it wasn't just today. Today was just a continue. Today would have been a good day for a pivot if he was going to pivot, but it's pretty clear he's not going to pivot. The style of the Trump presidency is going to be confrontation, going after anybody who's in any way critical of him. And doubling down whenever he's criticized, he's always he'll 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 suggest that the attacker is being unfair, as he's saying with regard to the press, as he's saying with regard to the uh, uh, the uh, you know intelligence uh, sector right now. This is what we're getting, um, and in fact, this is I think going to be very confrontational and dysfunctional. The American political system, in the best of times, isn't that smooth. Um, I think it's only going to be worse. What its impact is going to be on the economy in the short run, I'm not certain. But I think Donald Trump is just going to be stepping into one problem after another. I think he's just a mistake waiting to happen, and I think there's going to be a lot of them. And at some point, as long as the Republicans support him, he's probably okay. If at some point he becomes a liability to the Republicans, that's when, when he's got to watch out. What do you think Barack Obama will do in retirement? Oh, I think he, he's already suggested that he is going to be involved in certain causes, not necessarily directly attacking uh, Trump, but he's going to be talking about election reform. He's going to be talking about uh, redistricting, uh, which is, is unfair because of the gerrymandering. He's going to be talking about getting out the vote. I think he is going to be appealing, and he'll talk about issues that are important to him, including uh, uh, global warming. That's an issue certainly he feels strongly about. Very concerned about Obamacare. That's his legacy. He will speak out on those. I think in the short run he will watch it. But given what we saw with the circus this morning in the press conference, I think it's just a matter of time until he speaks out, too. And frankly, he is more popular among Democrats and with regard to the American people than Trump is among Republicans. Obama's popularity right now is at the 57% level, which is pretty good, um, uh, not historically the best, but pretty good for a former president. Trump, as an incoming president, is at 37% which was about half of what Obama was in the first weeks following his accession to the presidency back in 08. In those days, he was around 70%. That, the kind of honeymoon that's associated with new presidents doesn't necessarily apply to all to the same degree, but nobody has ever been lower in popular support coming into the presidency than Trump since we've had public opinion polls to measure it. Do you think there'll be a breaking point when Americans stop or, or get tired of hearing about Trump's the person and and want to hear more about Trump's America. I mean, what because again, even with the press conference today, it seemed to all center around him. Unless, oh yeah, when he loves it, he wants that. 
I think it's true that the most effective critique of Trump will be based not on his own crazy personal life and style and the bragging and the, the lies, quite frankly, and the womenizing. I think what will bring what the, the most effective way for the Democrats to pursue uh, relate to policy. The fact that there are 20 million Americans whose uh, health care is in jeopardy because of the, the threat to Obamacare. The, the kind of risks that are going to be brought in because of the, some of the people that are being brought into the cabinet. Uh, health and Human Secretary, uh, uh, Health and Human Services Secretary, who in fact is opposed to uh, health care being, uh, women's health care in terms of birth control being covered. Uh, the teachers' associations being concerned with the fact that the new education secretary seems to be totally unsympathetic to the public school system and wants to seem to dismantle it. These are a few examples. There's more. We could talk about it with regard to the environment. We could talk about it with regard to um, uh, the energy department. There's at least six or seven cabinet secretaries coming in who are either suing or totally hostile to the departments they're managing. Um, I think that's the effective approach for the Democrats is to talk about policy, not to talk what, about what a, uh, a wingnut uh, Trump is. Did Trump learn anything from this press conference, do you think? Trump, I'm not sure what, when Trump learns from anything. I'm not sure when Trump even listens to people. I've no doubt that the people around him advising him were telling him to cool it, and he wasn't cooling it. And we saw that during the campaign. Uh, this notion of letting Trump be Trump, because that's what he wants to hear. And he surrounds himself with people that are yes-men, more or less. Uh, there may be exceptions somewhat, but I'm not sure what uh, Trump learns from anybody. I don't want to say he never learns anything. He did, after five years, acknowledge that, uh, that Obama was born in the States. He w- did acknowledge after many months that, in fact, the Russians were actually responsible for the hacking. He, but he never sort of acknowledges it as a mistake. If confronted with enough evidence to the contrary, I guess he's capable of changing his position on a few things. But in terms of the educational process of Donald Trump, I haven't a clue as to what actually explains it. And my hunch is that a lot of the people around him don't either. What do you think the Democrats have learned from this whole process? Oh, I don't know. Specifically the loss. This has been, uh, well, certainly that some of the conventional truths about the number of people in your organization, uh, the amount of money you spend on on commercials. I mean, these were... um, these were truths over the years that these, these factors were associated with winning elections. Um, I think they've got to go for a more charismatic candidate who has a clear message. I think Hillary Clinton had strengths, but the idea of being the first woman president was not nearly enough uh, to do it. That, in fact, they are going to have in the future to select presidents that are presidential candidates, at least, uh, that have a clear um, message to be able to present and not to take for granted. I mean, again, she had minorities by and large in this election, too but that indeed the, the white uh, working class, particularly middle-aged men and men who with less education, a group that traditionally voted Democratic uh, quite, quite solidly, uh, that that's moving away. They've clearly got to, got to address that. I'm not sure what the prescription is. I do think that, um, that Joe Biden probably would have won this election. I'm less certain as to whether Bernie Sanders might have, because I think he had ideological vulnerabilities. Um, I think there are lessons to be learned. I don't think that they're necessarily obvious. Um, we know that Hillary Clinton was not as nearly effective a candidate as it seemed to be some months ago, and that indeed they're probably going to have to go for somebody more charismatic who connect with can connect with people and that has a message that resonates with people in the sense that they, they that voters understand that this person really cares about them. I, I think a lot of that was just BS with regard to Donald Trump, but nonetheless, it that did seem to be effective among a certain demographic. Barry Kay has been with us, political science professor, Wilfrid Laurier University. Barry, thanks for the time. As always, it's going to be interesting to watch. Yeah, this is, this is going to go on for months and years. The Scott Thompson Show, weekdays from noon to 3 on AM 900 CHML.